Welcome to The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. Now, there are a lot of things I love about Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That's the mid-sized city where I live, work, and raise my family. We've got beautiful parks, a thriving arts community, and we're the home of Krispy Kreme Donuts, that sweet treat beloved unreservedly by basketball legend Charles Barkley. When you ride by Krispy Kreme, you see that hot donut, you gotta stop. <laughs> but I was especially proud of our town in March when the actions of a local church got national attention for all the right reasons. The congregation at Trinity Moravian Church partnered with an organization called RIP Medical Debt to cancel 3,000 local residents' medical debt to the tune of $3.3 million. And the congregation bought that debt for just over $15,000. Reverend John Jackman, the pastor of Trinity Moravian Church, held a symbolic debt-burning ceremony to mark the occasion with confetti and hymns. The fact that we could buy that much for debt for $15,000 is ridiculous and silly and crazy, but it tells us how broken the system is. Now, back in 2016, John Oliver, the comedian and host of the HBO series Last Week Tonight, purchased $15 million in medical debt from 9,000 people, and he bought it for less than half a cent on a dollar. So are you ready to do this? Give away $15 million. It's done! It is done! Some state officials, like Governor Ned Lamont of Connecticut, are currently proposing using federal pandemic aid to cancel billions of dollars in medical debt. Yes, these are happy stories of people working together to help their community members, neighbors, even strangers. But this is also a crisis. Millions of Americans carry the burden of outstanding medical debt. An investigation in 2022 by Kaiser Health News and the Kaiser Family Foundation found that 100 million people across the nation have some type of health care debt. And Kaiser estimated that in 2019, the total medical debt in the country was around $195 billion. With me now is Emily Stewart, Executive Director at Community Catalyst, a national nonprofit focused on health justice. Emily, welcome to The Takeaway. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. All right. So we heard a bunch of the numbers, maybe some of the media attention here, but help us understand the human experience of this. How does medical debt affect everyday folk? Well, I think the most important thing to note about medical debt in the United States is that it's a widespread problem. And it's a problem that has a deep and abiding impact on people's everyday lives. A huge proportion of people with medical debt have exhausted their life savings, uh, have dipped into their retirement accounts. Uh, people have taken out, uh, refinanced their homes as a result of the medical debt. Uh, they are making decisions between uh, pursuing continuous health care or paying their rent or uh, getting a car or paying their car payment so that they can go to work. So it's having a real significant impact on uh, people's uh, overall lives and well-being. It's not just affecting their health care, it's uh, affecting their, just their way, their ability to get by day to day. 
And it also affects their credit, right? I mean, I know that earlier this year, three major credit bureaus announced medical collections with balances of less than $500 would no longer appear on credit reports. But more than that, that's, that is still going to impact people's ability to get right mortgages, home loans, all of those kinds of things. Absolutely. So those are important decisions by the credit agencies. But it, as you note, it didn't cover all of the uh, medical debt that people are carrying. And certainly people are uh, facing issues where they're not able to purchase homes or get a car in order to live their lives and, and get to work. So it's having a real impact. So it's no wonder to me that there are many great organizations out there trying to find a way uh, to give people the immediate relief that they need. Uh, notably, it's not just issues of uh, getting to work or putting a roof over your head or being able to buy a home. Uh, as uh, everybody out there with medical debt knows, it also causes extreme anxiety and stress related to all of those things. So when uh, organizations buy medical debt and then send those wonderful notices to people, letting them know that their debt is forgiven. It's a huge wave of relief for people. They are incredibly grateful and they should be. And I think as many of the organizations who buy medical debt would agree with, it doesn't address the root cause. Um, relieving medical debt for people today does nothing for the people who are newly incurring medical debt tomorrow. Why is it that if I owe, you know, $100,000 as the patient, you're going to expect me to pay $100,000. But if John Oliver decides to pay it off for me, he can pay it off for 100 bucks. What in the world is going on here? Medical debt is a uniquely American problem. Uh, as anybody who has ever accessed healthcare in the US can say, and particularly people who have ended up in an emergency room or needed a mammogram or an MRI, healthcare in the United States is extremely expensive. And more than that, oftentimes we don't know what it's costing us until we get that dreaded bill in the mail. Uh, so, you know, just to put some numbers behind that reality, the average bypass surgery cost $78,000 in the United States as compared to $24,000 in the UK. Your average C-section in the United States cost $15,000 as compared to $7,000 in the UK. So what's happening is that people are being charged way more uh, than what they should and then getting bills as a result that are astronomical. And of course they can't pay it. And, uh, you know, so then, you know, collections tries to go after people, I think it's well understood that this debt is never going to be paid off, because who can afford a $100,000 hospital bill, very few people in this country. And so the reason why it gets sold at such a discounted rate is essentially an acknowledgement that it shouldn't have been that much to begin with. You know, I hear you saying that it's uniquely American, is it also particularly predatory? Absolutely. I mean, this is um, one of the the most serious and and harmful issues of healthcare in the United States today. One of the things that I think is important to note about this is the disproportionate impact that those predatory collection practices have on uh, people of color in this country. There have been uh, reports showing that, for instance, uh, when you uh, look at the collection practices of some of these agencies, that they are more likely uh, within the same zip code to repeatedly harass a person of color as compared to a white person. So it is both predatory and uh, when you dig in deeper to these practices, uh, it is also discriminatory. All right, we're taking a quick break and we'll be back with more on the issue of medical debt right after this. 
Since WNYC's first broadcast in 1924, we've been dedicated to creating the kind of content we know the world needs. In addition to this award-winning reporting, your sponsorship also supports inspiring storytelling and extraordinary music that is free and accessible to all. To get in touch and find out more, visit sponsorship.wnyc.org. We're back with Emily Stewart, Executive Director of Community Catalyst, talking about the burden of medical debt. If you have medical debt um, and you don't know John Oliver, you don't go to Trinity Moravian Church here in the wonderful town of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, what can you do? Well, the first thing that you can do is make sure that you are calling your uh, local hospital system and pressing them, number one, on the actual bill, getting that bill itemized. Because a lot of times what you'll find on those bills is, for instance, an $80 Advil pill. Uh, which is obviously a great illustration of the ways in which that we are being overcharged for our healthcare. Uh, another thing that you can do is inquire about financial assistance policies at those hospitals. For a lot of people, uh, they are being charged uh, bills that they actually don't owe because they qualify under the law for financial assistance. Um, and, and a lot of hospitals are uh, just not doing their job in terms of making sure that people have access to financial financial assistance. So those are two important things that you can do. Uh, there are organizations out there, such as an organization called Dollar Four, that helps people access financial assistance programs in their community. There's a lot of community-based organizations that do the same to make sure that people are getting the assistance that not only they need, but they are eligible for. This is one of the reasons why at Community Catalyst, we have been uh, working with a whole cross-section of organizations at the local, state, and national level to uh, push the Biden administration to put more protections in place for people. Protections, for instance, that make sure that uh, hospitals are giving people access to the financial assistance programs that uh, they should have access to, making sure that um, those financial assistance policies make sense uh, in terms of giving people um, who have the lowest of incomes the support that they need. This is especially important because a lot of the hospitals who are overcharging people and sending people into collection that they shouldn't have are actually nonprofit hospitals. And because they're nonprofit, uh, they're supposed to, in exchange for that nonprofit tax-free status that is worth billions of dollars, they're supposed to be giving back to the communities that they're a part of. And so one of the things that we're doing is calling on the IRS to put stronger protections in place uh, to ensure that those hospitals hold up their end of that bargain. At the beginning of a medical journey, are there any things that you can do? Are there folks who can help you to navigate this system? Yes, there are in many, many states, uh, consumer assistance programs. So these are often nonprofit organizations that help people with um, billing and collection. So that's one place for people to go to look for consumer assistance programs in their state. Always challenge your bill. Always look at um, the itemized bill and uh, inquire. A lot of people report that when they ask for the bill, suddenly the overall amount they owed goes down. I think, again, in an acknowledgement of how uh, people are being overcharged. But I also don't want to lose sight of the fact that for so many people, they are confronting a health crisis and they should be in that moment only thinking about 
their health, their physical and their mental well-being. It's so unfair that uh, people are being forced to think about things like my medical bill when I should just be focused on um, making sure that I'm getting well. Uh, so there's a one of our uh, storytellers at Community Catalyst named Kaylin tells this in really be a beautiful way. She needed surgery and she knew she had to get it. It was really essential to her health. And nearing the surgery, she uh, shared that all she had was Google to try to give her a sense of what it was going to cost. And she had this feeling of dread after the surgery of getting that bill. And it was over $20,000. And when she tells the story, she uh, wells up in tears. And they're not tears of sadness, they're tears of anger, because as she puts it, she doesn't have to be this way in the United States. And so another thing that uh, people can do is join the movement to uh, push the Biden administration and local policymakers to change the laws, because it really doesn't have to be this way. Emily Stewart is the executive director of Community Catalyst, a national nonprofit focused on health justice. Thanks so much for taking the time with us on The Takeaway, Emily. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.